We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Well, welcome into another Three Ball Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as I am always by Derek Young of K State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. It is a uh, basketball football offseason pod, rather. We are in bowl season, I suppose, but really we're going to talk a lot today about a new pickup that K-State got on the transfer portal that is a monster, monster addition. Some looming decisions for guys like Deuce Vaughn, Cooper Beebe, who is coming back, who isn't, what are K-State's other needs in the portal. And uh, we will get to some basketball as well as the Cats absolutely blitzed. Incarnate Word, take that, Incarnate Word. Huh? Thought you were going to come in and win? Just got a 98 burger laid on you. How about that? Uh, it was fun to watch that yesterday. Now, big game coming up with Nebraska. So we're going to get to all that here on the pod today, which, of course, is brought to you by Holiday Distillery. Make sure that you're checking out Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Make sure that you're checking out 360 Vodka. We appreciate all of you guys because we got word uh, from some spots that you're you're requesting. You're requesting the Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. So uh, this this is working. We appreciate it. Tell them, If you go request that somewhere, tell them 3 Moss sent you. All right? Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, get stocked up for whatever it is that you're going to be celebrating this weekend. Okay, Keegan Johnson is where we're going to start today because that is the newest wide receiver for the Kansas State Wildcats. You need to learn that name. He is a very talented player, four-star prospect, had a great freshman season at Iowa, had a lot of injuries this year, and obviously the Iowa offense was just not something that I think anybody was itching to come back to. There were a lot of issues there, so did not produce much this year, but K-State had major competition here. Cancel a visit to Notre Dame because Thad Ward locked it down for the Wildcats uh, based on what D.Y. has been able to tell us, and he'll expand on that, I'm sure, in just a second. But Texas A&M, Nebraska, uh, a lot of big-time players were after this kid. Will Howard now has a, a Malik Knowles replacement as wide receiver one, it would appear, D.Y. Yeah, Keegan Johnson, heck of a pickup. I know a lot of people here, you know, Iowa receiver, and they probably panic a little bit, kind of go into a ball because that's not exactly the most explosive offense in the world. And I know it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but a guy that I kind of reference, like to reference, is Charlie Jones, the receiver for, for Iowa that transferred to Purdue. I think he had something like 21 catches at Iowa before he left for West Lafayette. And, and then this year, I mean, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think he had 120, 130 catches, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. So a guy that really took off after leave, leaving that Hawkeye offense. I don't know here to just 
throw daggers at the Iowa offense. But Oh, you know. I am. I mean, you know, nepotism. What is Brian Ferentz still doing there? Kirk Ferentz is coaching like it's 1974. Like how – but Iowa, keep him employed. Keep him employed. All right, I'll shut up. <laughs> but I, I would just say that you just got to take the numbers um, when you're looking at guys that come from that offense um, in perspective. And I think Keegan Johnson is a good example of that. He actually had a really good true freshman year at Iowa, right? Um, look, let's face it. It is Kirk Ferentz's program. If you're playing as a true freshman, you're doing something right. You're handling your business probably the exact way you should be doing off the field. And you're a threat when you're on the field. So I think that's a first good sign. And he almost got Big Ten freshman of the year. Um, that year with the Hawkeyes, uh, Omaha native that picked Iowa over Kansas State and Nebraska originally. He almost got Big Ten freshman year. The only reason why he didn't, a guy named C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. It's tough mm. to do it when, when yeah. he's throwing when he's throwing for the Buckeyes. So um, uh, just a heck of a pickup, like you said. Great recruiting win. Um, aside from just the this, the raw talent and skill set that you're going to have on the outside when you have them on the field, it's just the the who you're kind of going up with on recruiting on a normal basis right now has to be very reassuring if you're a Kansas State fan. We talk about how they're trying to hold off Oklahoma for Jordan Allen, everyone that they beat for Avery Johnson, for Andre Davis, for Will Ancio, um, for Will Lee just recently, the junior college cornerback at Iowa Western. And for Keegan Johnson, um, you, you get him to cancel his Notre Dame visit, to cancel his Texas A&M visit. Um, Texas A&M is kind of like Iowa, not a very flattering offense to speak of right now but they have more NIL than probably any other program in the country. And they paid for a bunch of losses this year, obviously. But uh, obviously, when you, you, know, you still beat Texas A&M on the recruiting trail. You still feel accomplished. And I think Kansas State definitely does at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge win. I mean, it's a huge win on the recruiting field. I mean, we knew K-State was going to need to get a veteran receiver to come in when they're going to lose in all likelihood, Phillip Brooks and Malik Knowles and Cade Warner. So, losing your top three pass catchers, you got to find an experienced weapon in the receiving game. And obviously this is a much more attractive offense for a guy like Keegan Johnson now than probably when K-State was recruiting him two years ago out of high school with what they put on display with Will Howard and this passing game and how balanced they've been. So uh, I think that played a huge part obviously as well, but to get, get him to cancel a visit to Notre Dame is just huge. Uh, Thad Ward continues to impress. I think, Right, D.Y., he got Andre Davis to cancel his, a couple of official visits on his end back before uh, he made his decision, committed to K-State, too. So, And Andre Davis was a, another recruiting win where I think it no one really felt it was leaning in K-State's direction, correct me if I'm wrong, and then Thad Ward really tilted the things in K-State's favor quickly. So he's done a heck of a job uh, at the wide receiver position. And, I mean, just look at the on-the-field results from the receivers as well. Malik Knowles has far and away his best year this year with Thad Ward in his first year as a receivers coach. Cade Warner has the best year of his five-year career by far. Now, that's a credit to those guys too, but um, the receiver room has been really good for K-State this year. And Keegan Johnson, you know, when I watch his highlights, uh, I think that's a guy that can play on Sundays at some point. And so I think it's a big-time recruiting win in the portal. A lot, of, a lot of credits go around. Uh, you mentioned Thad Ward. I think he locked it down during the in-home visit on Thursday night when he was up I imagine he was in Omaha. I don't think it was Iowa City um, when he met with Keegan Johnson and his family. So, I, you know, massive credit to Dad Ward. Also, Colin Klein just for the offense that they are kind of deploying and incorporating for Will Howard kind of taking off. I think that made it quite attractive. So, there's a lot of credit to go around. That Ward definitely deserves it. But I think Colin Klein and Will Howard certainly played a role as well. Well, I mean, just take, take inventory of where <laughs> things were at a year ago and where they're at right now. I mean, you were able to go sway yeah. one of the top wide receiver options in the portal a year removed from, I mean, we were sitting here thinking about the Texas game 
a year ago and how bad that offense looked and what is going to happen. And, you know, even if it was going to be Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator, like this is a totally unproven guy. Where are we at? Nobody believed in Will Howard. Still didn't know that Adrian Martinez was coming in at quarterback. I mean, just all the things that have happened and coalesced to the point where they're going and clobbering Notre Dame on the recruiting trail to, to go get this guy. And, you know, it's not just that, all the momentum that they have, everything you guys outlined, the, the class, how competitive they are in beating schools right now and using this momentum seemingly of the Big 12 championship a little bit to help them out. I mean, it just it's incredible. It's incredible how much they really have this thing rolling. And I can think back to all the times, D.Y., we were talking about like the 2020 class. Like, oh, it just, you know, it's going to take a couple of wins and them doing some things on the field to really get the ball rolling. But eventually, you know, you can kind of see it if you squint. And, and now we're here. I mean, we're here realizing the the fruits of, of that labor with a lot of moves that have taken us here. I mean, getting rid of Courtney Messingham, making Colin the offensive coordinator, hiring Thad Ward, going back to hiring True Carroll, like just all these moves that Climate has made progressively here that have, have paid huge, huge dividends. That, and I, and I know that most of it's been relegated to the defensive side of the ball, but they're starting to get to a point. And I know there's other programs out there that can certainly do the same. Um, but they can really sell transfers on what they're able to do with them. I think that that's going to become a selling point. Um, now, is it going to be such a huge gap where it becomes a decisive factor? I don't know, because I think everyone in the country, at, at least in another year, is probably going to have a couple examples they can point to from the transfer portal and say, look, look how great that guy was. I mean, even Oklahoma State probably will in a year or two. So I don't know how much of a decisive factor it is, but it's certainly nice – not to have it work against you. Well, how would you describe Keegan Johnson as a player? Like for those who have not seen him, how, do, how does he profile? Fast. Is there a good comp for him? Yeah, I don't know about a comp just because the, the, the sample size has been a little small. And, I, and he, well, he played a full season as true freshman year, but um, that was two years ago. He played two games this year. That's it because of various injuries that are considered serious. Aren't I mean, I think he's healthy right now. So, but he's fast. He, he, I think he ran a 4.39, at Iowa. Um, so that's a fast receiver. He's 6'1", 185. So size-wise, he's probably, I mean, him and R.J. Garcia are probably going to look pretty similar, I would imagine. Although I think it's probably just a difference in year in a year, right? Having another year in a strength and conditioning program. But just when you watch the two, like I've seen R.J. Garcia close up. I haven't really seen Keegan Johnson close up, but I have seen him on TV and in pictures, you know, of what he did his true freshman season. He's a lot thicker than R.J. Garcia, though, too. He's really put together. So, I mean, is, is K-State going to be missing the guy that can kind of go up and get it? I mean, I guess they didn't – you know, Cade Warner, Malik Knowles did some of that. They didn't look the most physically imposing, at least Cade, all the time in doing that. Do they have somebody that can just go up and get it, I guess is really the question. Like a jump ball artist, maybe not. But, I mean, there's plenty of programs. There's plenty of NFL teams that get by with a 6'1 receiver as wide receiver one. I don't know that being 6'4 is necessarily a prerequisite for that. It would be nice to maybe have a weapon eventually. But, um, I mean, Keegan Johnson, I think, can still be a vertical threat. Well, when you watch his highlights, I mean, there are he, he goes up and gets the football. Like, he high points it. He uh, There's a couple of back shoulder throws in there. I was just really impressed with his physicality to what D.Y. said. He's not the, the biggest dude in the world, but but he really – the runs after the catch, running through tackles, going up and getting the football and contested one-on-one coverage. Uh, yeah, I, I was really impressed with that. So, it's a huge addition. And I, I think, John, the problem they're, – they're not experienced yet – but from a incoming freshman wide receiver class at K-State's landed, Andre Davis, 6'4", you know, potentially Trey Spivey, who's almost 6'4", 
Uh, we'll see what his decision is on signing day, but K-State, it sounds like, according to D.Y., sits in a pretty favorable position for, for Spivey. So, you know, you're talking about two 6'4 receivers and then Wesley Watson, who's what, 6'2"? So they got some big dudes coming in, and I, I don't know if any of them would be necessarily ready to contribute, which probably leads into the next question. Should K-State take one more transfer receiver? I think they should. It, it sounds like D.Y., uh, they're probably not going to do that, though. I look here's the problem too you have four high school receivers or, or you you may have four high school receivers committed at some point um man convincing them I mean and and I realize that there's a big gap in age there bro not necessarily Keegan Johnson has three years of eligibility remaining you take two transfers it's gonna be hard to sign all four of those guys so I think that comes into play as well here so I do think you're probably only going to see one wide receiver transfer I would be surprised if there's another uh, I think Wesley Watson is someone that can play early. Now, let's be honest, too, and maybe things change year to year depending on what the situation is, who's on the roster. Um, maybe the offense evolves even more. But, I mean, they play three wide receivers on the field for the most part. Um, it's still a good amount. I'm not saying it's not. But at the end of the day, they didn't play a lot of depth behind those three. They worked the same three, to not, not to the ground, but they worked the same three quite a bit. However, uh, to answer the original question from John, talking about a vertical threat, the guy that can go up and get it, like Cole said, Keegan Johnson has certainly showcased that potential despite not being six foot four. And let's not forget RJ Garcia's touchdown. I know we're working on a very small sample size here, right? With RJ Garcia, that was his only touchdown of the season. But that was the kind of catch that you're referring to his touchdown grab. He caught it in traffic down the field at high point of the football. Yeah, I want to touch on R.J. Garcia because thinking about the receiving core as a whole, I, I'm with Cole. Like my initial thought was, well, they probably need to go get two. But I understand they're I mean, they're killing it right now on the high school recruiting trail at, at receiver. So I, I get it. I understand why you wouldn't be able to necessarily do that. Another part of that, I think, is that they're they're really counting on R.J. Garcia being a, a stud, yeah. you know, a good player. And I, I know we heard some of that buzz in fall camp and then just didn't, I mean, he just didn't flash. Uh, he didn't flash at all when he was out on the field this year, which we heard about injuries throughout the season until we get then to the big 12 championship game. And he makes that massive catch on a great play in the end zone. And will clearly had the confidence to throw it up to him there. So it, it would seem to believe it would lead me to believe anyway, that will certainly believes in him. So I, how, how do they feel right now about RJ Garcia? And are they pretty comfortable with that? If it's going to be, Arlen Bruce, RJ, or not Arlen Bruce, Keegan Johnson, RJ Garcia, and who, whoever the third receiver is. They're, they're comfortable with that? I, I, I certainly think so. Um, look, RJ Garcia was kind of, you know, I think he got the injury bug, kind of got him early in the year. So, and then Cade Warner really, things materialized for Cade Warner, and they didn't want to upset the apple cart, really. And I, and I can kind of understand that and understand that viewpoint. I think what they felt about R.J. Garcia, what they said about R.J. Garcia all last offseason still applies today. And um, he didn't flash, but he didn't have a lot of chances to flash either. I, I think if I, you know, this isn't really coming from the coaches. They're going to leave that thing up for probably, you know, all, you know, a, a, a position battle, right? They want competition and guys to fight, you know, battle each other and make each other better throughout the spring. But my thought process going into the spring will be that Keegan Johnson and RJ Garcia are two of the three and the other one's a battle. Now, who are we talking about with the other one? Um, that remains to be seen. I think, uh, you know, starting here whispers that things are turning around for Jaden Jackson, who's the transfer they added last year from Ole Miss. Um, I mentioned, I think Wesley Watson um, can, can be a guy that can challenge and do things. Now he's, he's got a, 
heal up a little bit. And from all you know, indications seeing the pictures of in-home visits and whatever, it seems like that leg is healing pretty quickly. So that's a good sign. But I think he's someone that just has the skill set and uh, is not as raw as the others. They can probably play pretty quickly. Um, and, and we'll see what goes from there. I think Sterling Lockett, look, he's really starting to turn it on. I don't know that next season is is too soon. It could be. I think he needs to work on strength probably a little bit still because he is on the lighter version and, and you know, working off the line of scrimmage will probably be the, the where he has to, to separate himself a little bit more before he sees the field. But I mean, don't count that. I mean, I, I was the, the knucklehead, right. That, you know, did what everyone always does when they see, you know, a lock at high school prospect. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I see it. And then we're here, here we are, you know, a year or two later. And I'm already telling you that Sterling Lockett's going to make me look really stupid because he's going to play a lot of football at Kansas state. I think it's kind of telling D.Y. that he was in full uniform at the Big 12 championship, Sterling well, Lockett. Yeah, well, he traveled, I believe, for the final two games of the year. Yeah, no, he, he was in Waco. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to treat that as like a road game, the Big 12 championship. And so it's it's interesting to see all the guys on the sideline who are not in pads versus who is in uniform. I, I saw John Pastore, you know, some other guys that we know that they're high on as a staff that are true freshmen. And so – and Sterling Lockett looks considerably bigger and stronger than he did when he came in, obviously. And look, I questioned it too. When you watch Sterling Lockett's high school highlights, you know, it just didn't look look what you would expect. But to be fair, the Lockett family has often been late bloomers. Uh, Tyler Lockett wasn't the most physically imposing guy in the world when he came to K-State and was a stud from his freshman year on. I don't think it's fair for anyone to put that expectation on Sterling, obviously, but it certainly looks like he can be a quality receiver for K-State. And as we think about, John, to your question about going up and getting it to one guy that we haven't mentioned, but obviously we know is a heck of a player now is Ben Sennett. I mean, the emergence of Sennett at the tight end position, uh, This you apologized to Will Howard on our podcast uh, last week. I need to apologize to Ben Sennett in person. We need to have Ben on because of my two-lane rant when I, I bitched about him being split out wide at wide receiver, what the heck are they doing? That doesn't make any sense. He looks like Gronkowski out there, the way he splits out and makes catches and goes up and gets the ball. So, uh, yeah, I I definitely owe Ben an apology. He's a heck of a weapon, and he's only going to get better uh, heading into his junior year next year. So that's another big-time weapon that Will Howard will have at his, his disposal as that relationship builds. He owes me a thank you card. I've been on the Ben Sinnott train for a couple of years, so just throw yes. that out. Uh, yeah, D.Y. has said in text uh, for over a year that they think Ben Sinnott is an NFL player. This was heading into last year, uh, last season, 2021. So D.Y. was completely right on about that. And and D.Y., I don't want to brag, but I, I think you and me were both exchanging texts about Felix being an NFL player two years ago. So uh, before he'd even – Added on that weight, so yeah, it was funny. that was kind of the the word on Felix when they signed him, which was weird because he was like two days from being just a college student that never played college football. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, if, I you, had, if you if you look at yeah. the picture of him, I saw whoever it was that tweeted out the before and after picture of him at the Big Twelve Championship game, and then when he when he was on his visit, I mean, he looks tiny, teeny tiny. So yeah, that, that was a Connor Riley um, identification. He's got a few of those. He did that with Taylor Portier. Um, Con- Connor Riley really finds the gems in Kansas City. Yeah, well, it's good stuff, and uh, everything seems to be coming up cats right now. So where where do they turn 
elsewhere in the portal now. We know that there, there are going to be a lot of needs. I mean, probably you're, you're looking like, what, de- defensive line, probably need another linebacker. You're going to need some help in the secondary. Obviously, I'm, I'm gravitating towards defense here with most of this now that we established the second wide receiver transfer is unlikely. And then I don't, running back, maybe you're still waiting on a Deuce Vaughn decision for sure to to go down that road. But where, where do you think they're headed next in the portal? Yeah, it'll depend on what Deuce does, obviously. But it, obviously, running back is – um, more than possible at this point that they'll look, and 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 I kind of I'm combining the two here because for what they are trying to fulfill with some of these holes, these guys will probably overlap. It's junior college. Some of these guys will be junior college guys too, because I think like a linebacker, like you said, they need to go that route. But I, I think they really like what a JUCO they have, a JUCO that they're chasing in in Hutchinson Community College linebacker Terry Kirksey. Um, you know, I think he'll be visiting Kansas State soon, but a little bit of a time conflict. He's got a national championship game on Wednesday night. That's that's the interesting thing. So Hutchinson, I think, plays Iowa Western. Um, two of the, I, you know, two of the my favorite junior college programs. Those are two that do it right. Really good coaching staffs. Kansas State also has a corner from Iowa Western already committed, and, and Will Lee. So um, I don't know if that game's televised, but it'll be pretty relevant to Kansas State if it is the junior college national championship between Hutchinson and and Iowa Western. A nose guard makes a lot of sense. You're going to lose both Eli Huggins and Robert Hentz. Um, now, I think Guso, Sayamalo, and Damian Eli Leo both have bright futures. I don't think either one is um, in a hurry to leave. I think they're both staying. So one more, and I think those are the three you want to rock with next year, and I think they feel pretty good about that. Um Maybe you look is, – is, is Uso – real quick, is, is Uso – I don't know. The injury situation with him? I don't I don't know what that is at okay. this point. So okay. um, that, that could obviously weigh and, and, and dictate a direction too. Defensive end, maybe. I, I think they – look, here's the thing. If I know that there's the potential that, that Felix and DK Uzama goes to the NFL, and, and I think everyone would be quite understanding if he declares early and does that, right? Um, then they'll probably want some more depth or, or another guy there, right? There's Brendan Mott, there's Nate Matlack. And then you got guys that you're still trying to develop at that point. Yes, I think then they go out and look for something. But they might not have to look too far. Don't be surprised if, you know, there's a they, – they go just Khalid Duke, put him back there. Um, I think that might could be an easy solution. Then you go get another linebacker or something like that. So I think that's potential. I think you're you're going to need probably some back end help in the secondary, um, just because you always want as many secondary guys as you can get um, when you play college football, NFL football. Now, so many teams pass the heck out of the ball. Uh, but the more secondary depth that you can have, the better. I, look, they're, they're going to have Jacob Parrish. Um, you, is Keenan Garber a guy that they're going to be able to count on moving forward? That that's probably part of the calculus now too. Maybe take some heat off your your pressure of needing a corner. But more than anything, um, if look they 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 could address corner. I don't know if they will, but they have to address safety. I think they feel good about obviously Kobe Savage once he gets healthy. VJ Payne um, with the year that he just had as a true freshman. But you're you're losing a lot of guys. You're losing Sincere Mason. You're losing Drake Cheatham. Um, TJ Smith just entered the transfer portal, and I think I'm forgetting you're losing Josh Hayes. So, Josh Hayes. Yeah, you're you're going to need more safety help. Are there any names that you're comfortable with? Are we too early in that that stage in that process? Uh, names, guys that they would be chasing. Uh, probably a hair too early. I think we've seen that they've offered AJ Halsey a safety out of New Mexico, um, who's very established, had a really good fresh. I think he's just played a freshman season. Um, 
Um, so he's pretty established out there. Um, I think Donovan McMillan, a safety from Florida, announced that he had off, been offered by Kansas State. Now those two are getting offers from a lot of guys or a lot of a lot of teams. So that uh, those will be quite the fight. I mean, I think Kansas State's talked a little bit about Jaden Gold to Jaden Gold, a safety out of Nebraska. He's in the transfer portal. I don't know that he's playing. I think he just redshirted. He's he's a really young guy. So um, it'll be interesting if that ever develops too. So it, it is a little bit early. And here's something I'm going to write you know, here in the next few days, part of the problem, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, Part, not, not, and it's a good problem to have. It's not It's not even a problem, is that Kansas State's only had four guys enter the transfer portal. Now, more could obviously end up going into the transfer portal. Maybe they're just, you know, want to stay for the Sugar Bowl and then uh, figure out what they're going to do afterwards because um, that's, that's a pretty fun trip to be part of. But they also have some super seniors that are very interested in returning uh, and will return. Unlike most programs right now, Kansas State's a spot where their, their seniors really seem like they want to stay for an extra year, a good amount of them. And there's not a whole lot of guys itching to leave and to jump into the transfer portal. So unlike everyone else, or at least 98% of programs right now, Kansas State almost has a numbers crunch. Which is interesting. Um, very interesting. And you don't think about that being a – uh, a problem here at this point, a problem numbers wise, when we say That's problem numbers. Reflection wise. of culture. Uh, that would be a yes. reflection of culture. Yes. I mean, total opposite. Again, think of how far we've come. Two years ago, it was what, like 19 guys that left off of the 2020 team, and it all happened really quickly um, after the season. It's just wild, wild how good of a job that they have done as far as all that is concerned. But look, everyone also is going to want to know about the seniors, particularly, or or the guys that have a chance to go to the NFL draft. Felix, Deuce, Cooper, BB, where do you think things stand? Let's start with the high-profile uh, decisions there. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that Cooper BB comes back. And I'm not going to speak for these guys, so don't count it as me reporting it if you are listening to this because um, I'm not trying to steal anyone's thunder, just answering the question, really, um, and where we're headed. I don't think any of them have 100% made a decision, at least not with a ton of you know, the most conviction that they need to really establish that, that they've decided. So this is probably where everything is leaning, is what I would say. And as with college kids, age kids, um, these things can change in a hurry. Um, circumstances can change in a hurry. And, 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 you know, if you think about what I just said about guys not really wanting to leave and everything like that, I do want to hit the pause button a little bit and I make sure not to go all in on what I am saying, even when I'm writing for our site, uh, at K state online, just because some of this is, I think attached a little bit, maybe to what I would call a big 12 championship glow where you still have those emotions and feelings of, a, of, a, you know, that kind of accomplishment with what I have come to know is these guys are all each other's best friends. And, and when you have that, um, that can play a part. And then maybe a few weeks that wears off a little bit, right? And then you realize, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't stay or, or maybe I should enter the transfer portal. So I would, I would urge people to, to not rush to conclusions on even anything that I'm about to say, even though I'm going to say where things are leaning. Like Cooper Beebe probably leaning towards a return is what I would say. I think, I think there's a good chance he's back. I think there's a good chance – that a lot of the offensive line is back. Um, is is a 
so that that's interesting, right? Because they got a lot of they have a good offensive line, and there's a chance. Is that a yeah, lot is is that a good? Is that an ideal thing? Oh, right. entire oh yeah, because because continuity and chemistry and cohesion is probably the number one factor in a good offensive line. So I think that would be a great great thing, and and I don't think anyone's rushing to leave, as I said. So if you partner those two together, then you're talking about probably the, one of the deeper offensive lines in the country. So um, yeah, it's a good. Pro- I keep saying good problem to have. I don't even know if it's a problem. Um, so Deuce and Felix, the, the Deuce and Felix. The, this one will be tougher to probably pin down. If I gun to my head, I think they're both are going to exit at some point. And, and the Sugar Bowl will probably be their last game in a Kansas State uniform. That would be my guess. Again, that's just a guess. There's actually more people than not that say it's there's potential for them to both return. But I would say my best sources on the matter would still hesitate on that. Well, I'm totally – what you say about the kind of the post big 12 championship high absolutely makes sense there that like in the aftermath of that, people are going to be thinking like, Oh, of course we'll come back and run it back. And then, you know, you get, you get further away from it. Maybe, you know, I mean, if Deuce or Felix go off and have a great game in the sugar bowl against Alabama, I mean, that that's probably going to attract a lot of attention too. Um, And you start hearing about what your prospects are going to be and the money that can be made and all that stuff. I mean, you may, you may just have no choice, even, even if you really kind of wanted to. So yeah, fair, fair point. Fair point. Um, Cole, you have any thoughts on the the looming decisions of those three or anybody else? No, I think you guys covered it pretty well. I mean, it would be nice to have a decision internally from some of them within the week. I don't know how realistic that is, D.Y., but Deuce, you know, is Sean Tyler, for example, a talented running back from Western Michigan that's in the portal, took an official visit to Oklahoma State over the weekend. He's a guy I think that Brian Anderson visited right recently. Uh, read between the lines one would think that was why he was in Michigan (laughs) yeah right and so you know you just like you would like to be able to tell those guys that uh you know there's going to be a spot for you they become a very attractive spot for a running back like that uh in the portal but you don't want to have to be waiting until January uh, because most of those guys are going to be gobbled up by then so you know it's it's a position where I don't feel like Deuce or someone like that's going to announce before the bowl game, hey, this will be my last game. But internally, hopefully he's communicated to the coaches, been able to make a decision by, you know, maybe like December 19th. I don't know. When is the dead period, D.Y., for the portal and everything, like well, the, in terms of being able to recruit, bring guys in for visits? Oh, that would be – I think the last thing is next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, but it, 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 it's tough, right? It's tough for everyone because the coaches, it's tough for them because, like you said, they kind of need those internal answers so they know what spots to fill. But, man, I also think it's unfair to – a little bit unfair. And I'm not saying that Deuce and Felix think it's unfair. They're, I mean, they probably – they handle their business as well as anyone. But just for guys that are in those their shoes because coaches need those internal answers so quickly, it's almost not fair to them. I mean, that's a decision where – the, yeah. the, the the declaration date is January 16th for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, it's all very, I mean, it's really tricky. Like I, between everything you're dealing with, with the portal already and, you know, kids going, having to kind of nudge kids and say like, Hey, there's not going to be much playing time around here. Or, you know, you're one of the legends at K-State, Deuce Vaughn having to kind of be like, Hey man, I mean, appreciate everything you did for us. Three-time All-American won us a big 12 championship, but like, I don't know. Can you, can you make a decision here? Uh, lots of like awkward. And I'm 
I'm sure, look, these guys are all, Deuce is as mature as anybody out there. I'm sure it's, we're probably making it a bigger deal than perhaps it actually is. But I just, I, I it, there are a lot of awkward conversations on the topic of like, we were talking about Deion Sanders before we hopped on here and the combo that he had with the Colorado locker room, just like the nature of some of those conversations that have to happen now at a much higher frequency than they did before. Um, is, is a very interesting and new element here of, uh, of college football. But, I mean, if there's a staff that's going to be able to handle it better than about anybody, I would I would trust Kleiman and Co. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't have any concerns. But to Cole's point, it would be nice to know if – and maybe they already know. Like, I'm not even, not even saying that they don't. But it, you want to be able to get out in front of it, especially when you're recruiting the transfer portal because – that's not necessarily the marathon that it has been in the prior two years, right? I mean, it becomes a little bit of a sprint. Yeah. I mean, I feel for guys like Deuce and Felix that, you know, they have to rush kind of in, in this situation because it's, it's a hard decision for them. I mean, they love K-State. I, I know they're going to make the, the best decision for them. They have to, um, and they'll handle it the right way. But I, I hate that they do have to rush the process a little bit because it, you know, maybe they want to wait and see how they play in the Sugar Bowl. So. Yeah, uh, what I will say to probably maybe put a cap on it, and I'll even lump Cooper BB into this. There's not a bad decision that either three of those can make, because um, if, if either three of them declare for the NFL, it'd be completely understandable at this point. I mean, none of those three necessarily have anything left to prove in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. Will said it the other day. He was like, "Man, that guy's ready." Like we we all know. I mean, we know that uh, that those dudes are ready uh, to to be there. Okay, we are going to talk some basketball. I have. I have something that uh, I'm going to bring to the table. In addition to, we'll, we'll talk about Dylan Edwards also, who was who was a Colorado commit now. Yes, not a Notre Dame commit, not a K-State commit, but a Colorado commit. But I also, I, I found uh, I found an article that if you want to chip on your shoulder about 2023, even though things are uh, things are looking pretty good right now, I'm going to, I'm going to roast ESPN a little bit coming up next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, we're back here on 3 Ma, John D. Weichel. Uh, did you guys see, I tweeted this last night, we're talking about here all the weapons that Will Howard is going to have who, you know, led the, what, what, Cole, the second best offense in the country, basically, in terms of efficiency numbers once he took over as the QB? Am I am I accurately stating that? That'd be correct in terms of points per drive, yes. Okay, okay. So Will Howard, who led that offense when he came in this year, now is going to have Ben Sinnott, Keegan Johnson, RJ Garcia, insert whoever else you want in there at his disposal with the offense. Uh, I think we all feel like he's going to have a pretty damn good year. There was a, an early Heisman contenders for 2023 article that came out from ESPN. They, they only listed 14 guys. So if you would have told me, hey, they only listed 14 players, Will Howard's not on it, I would be in no way really offended. I mean, like, you know, okay, whatever. He only played like half a season last year. But but there, if I told you there were four Big 12 quarterbacks on that list and Will Howard was not one of them, now we're starting to get to – here's the list. Dylan Gabriel, just like, I mean, okay, he's an Oklahoma quarterback. What well, I think he's pretty mid, but that's that's fine. I understand. Um, then beyond that, Arch Manning, which, you know, I, I Quinn Quinn Ewer sucks. So I guess I can I can understand that. Um, and all the hype surrounding him. But then we go to and look, I, I love Texas Tech. Love those guys, but Tyler Shuck. <laughs> Tyler Shuck was one of your 14 way too early Heisman contenders for next year. Like what, what are we doing with that? That's uh stunning to me. It's especially the Tyler Shuck one. Although it didn't Jake Rubley have odds last year at one point. Not that he, was, he was not top 14, but yes, yeah. I mean, fair, but that, yeah. but that's vague, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know it, here. And the arch meeting one, like, I think that that's also them just trying to steal oh. money from people. I- I, for, I forgot about the worst one. Maybe, perhaps, perhaps. Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris made their list. Well, I mean, look what that The guy who got did. beat out by Max Duggan this year. Well, he didn't get beat out. He got, he got Wally Pitts. Oh, no, so. John, okay. he, Wally he'd, Pitt. beat, he'd beaten out the Heisman finalist, Max Duggan, for the job. So he okay. must be even better. Just, I, was, you know, I would okay. say look, look at what that offense did for Max Duggan. So I could maybe – now, he shouldn't be in the top 14 of a Heisman list. But I, can, I could – I would listen to someone try to make a case for Chandler Morris to be a really good quarterback next year, but just based on what that offense did for Max Duggan. I actually think Arch Arch Manning is probably the the stupider one at this point, and I know that maybe you guys would disagree, but here's the thing with the Arch Manning. I think that's just someone trying to steal money from someone. You, you put Arch Manning out there because, you know, there's going to be people that bet it just because it's Arch Manning when it really has no chance. I think from all indications and probably – they're okay with this considering who the family is. I think they came in, they're coming in with the thought they are going to redshirt that first year and are completely okay with it. And I do think that there's did probably. They watch, did, did they watch Quinn Ewers play in Stillwater? Or I would think there, there's probably enough money in people that are invested in Quinn Ewers where, you know, they probably don't have another choice. And, and Quinn Ewers is going to get better. There's a lot of talent there. I think he's going to get better. But I also wonder what happens to Texas as a team. Um, and I assume they have another good running back, but he's not going to be as good as B. John Robinson. <laughs> no, no, not going to be that guy. I mean, I think all the names on that list are dumb. So I don't, I don't you, think Cole. any of those four. Yeah, I, I don't think any of those four should have Heisman. I mean, um, Caleb Williams is coming back, right? <laughs> so. 
Well, I mean, sure. But and they they had them lumped into categories like comeback stories and I don't know. They were like four different categories. But it's like I one of them was like sec, it was like second half of the season resurgence or something like that. It was a category that was like seemed made for Will <laughs> Howard. All right, so you have you have top contenders and by the way, Chandler Morris was in the top contenders with Caleb Williams and Drake May. <laughs> And then you have, whoa, 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 that okay, that's the that's the most faulty one then. Yeah, you have up and comers, Arch Manning, Kyle McCord, DY. I assume you can tell me something about Kyle McCord. If the, it, it might it might as well just say Ohio State QB because yeah. they're just gonna get the numbers. Yeah, yeah. then Cade Cade Klubnik, uh momentum Klubnik. players. That's what it was. Momentum players. And Klubnik. Have- Cade Klubnik. I mean, if, if you're really down on Quinn Ewers, you, you gotta be down on Cade Klubnik just the same, right? Well, I'm down on him more just because of da- I think Dabo oh, and Clemson have, have lost a step. Mike Michael Penix is coming back for Washington, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, so then you have you have momentum players, and they have Jordan Travis, Michael Penix, and Tyler Shuck. Oh, that like, yeah. Where, I, I, I mean, I where's, where's the momentum players for? Why like, wouldn't Penix be at the top of the list? I would say Penix is favorite. got a top three if they're going into yeah. the season. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Eh, yeah, that's a bizarre article. Um, but speaking of Will Howard, uh, I, I was curious for you guys' thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, if those of you listening haven't heard the uh, the pod we did with Will Howard as our uh, our guest last week, he was fantastic. But what were some of your guys' biggest takeaways from from what he said? I, I just really appreciated his honesty and how transparent he was. Uh, I thought he revealed some things that maybe I didn't really expect going to that interview. I thought he was really impressive. Was a, it was a little bit of the stuff, maybe maybe a little bit greater detail, but that we had heard, you know, and just, you know, because he, he gets asked the same question a lot at this point just because of what his journey has been. So the questions make sense. So, so I think it, it's been a little bit, it was greater detail, but it was still, I think it still hit the high points of what we had heard in media settings, you know, before on Tuesdays or, or after games, um, just about his story, the first year that he came through. I think the one statement, which when I kind of listen back, I got a chuckle out of it's like him kind of saying, you know, I didn't want to like him, right? I didn't want to like him. I kind of wanted to, you know, because they brought him in to take my job, so to speak. And he's like, I didn't want to like him, but I couldn't help it because he was so dang cool. So the camaraderie of the quarterback room, I think, um, is something that helped this year quite a bit. Obviously it helped Will Howard. I think probably helped Adrian Martinez um, as well. And then, hearing him like kind of light up he's like absolutely he's going to try to you know recruit the rest of the roster to kind of stay intact because he knows the climate of the transfer portal and and even guys that could you know exit early that but i did think it was and kurt you touched on this i'm kind of rambling here but when it came to deuce he's like it didn't sound like he was going to recruit that one he's like he's ready like (laughs) the guys that might have an nfl future if they want to go they can go but um, in terms of the transfer portal, I think he wanted to almost kind of be the the, the stopgap to stop people from doing that. Uh, Dy, you're supposed to say that for our listeners that he said things that nobody's ever heard before. So everybody well, listening to, to our to podcast, fair, great detail. Yeah. To, to be, I mean, no offense, Dy, but I don't, I don't have the time to go through and like listen to the player interviews throughout the week. So like, I don't really hear those yeah. answers very often. So yeah. like, for for me and anybody that's not. Just so dedicated that they're and hey, go subscribe to the KSO YouTube channel. Uh, you can you can see them there every week anyway if you really want to. But I don't think most people are. Also, I mean, just yeah, some of the detail. I just was fascinated here, like what it's like when he 
approaches the line of scrimmage and what he's looking at from, from a defense, like just getting a little peek into his mind's eye there and talking about catching TCU and the same blitz a couple of times on third down in the Big 12 championship game. Thought that was very cool. And then, yeah, even the the insight into Colin, where Colin's down after the <laughs> Big 12 championship game telling him, all right, man, this week I need you to go recruit this guy, this guy, this guy, instead of just, you know, relaxing in the moment. I actually like that. I'm like, I the coaches need that. They need to have that sort of mindset. So, I mean, my overall big take was just how much more confident he is. And well, yeah. I, I can't remember, you know, I think the last time I talked to him in an interview setting was after the Nevada game in, in 2021. So, like, he's he's come a long way. Uh, since then, and just you can just tell he's always been pretty well spoken and a guy that is not afraid to come up. I mean, even when he was getting blistered as a freshman, he would come and answer the bell with the media every time. I've always had a lot of respect for him for that, but you can just tell he's so much more comfortable, uh, and confident in his in his own skin right now. It seems like, yeah, when he when he had that conversation on the field after the game with the, the coach saying, uh, can, I, can we just enjoy this? We just want a big 12 championship or whatever, talk about guys to recruit. I thought, yeah. I thought he was saying that was Coach Kleiman. Was it Klein? Klein said, I thought I said Klein. I thought he said Kleiman. Uh, oh, you said Kleiman. Okay, my bad. I thought it was Colin. Okay, well, either way. I would uh, believe uh, it. Yeah. I would believe it with either one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah either, either, either way. One seemingly makes sense. I'll just say, um, first of all, to your point about confidence, he carries himself with such swagger now. It, it's so obvious when he speaks. And, I mean, you ask him about Alabama playing in the Sugar Bowl, and he's just like, they're on the same level as us, like, and we're going to go out there and we can beat him. You know, just the, the way he's not intimidated in any way. You can tell by the way he plays now, the throws he makes. Some of the things that stood out, like when he talked about Colin Klein and, and how you can tell when your offensive coordinator has confidence in you by the way he calls plays. Look, Courtney Messingham, you look back at that Texas game last year in Austin, he did not have any – he didn't show any confidence in Will Howard by the way he called plays in that game. And a quarterback can feel that, and it's completely different with Colin Klein. And I think that plays a huge factor, uh, not only the maturity factor of another year in college for Will Howard, but just Colin Klein as a coordinator and the way that he calls game plans for Will Howard, it, it shows that he's got full faith in him, and that's led to also Will Howard being better on the field. I was really impressed. Uh, you know, with some of the things he did say about reading a defense uh, to your question, John, that you had asked him, I really enjoyed that answer. And just all the, the details that go into that of quickly having to process what a defense is doing when you're on the field as a quarterback. Um, but I also thought it was revealing how frustrated he was with Adrian Martinez being brought in. Like, I, I don't know, I'd ever heard him. And like you, John, I, I just hadn't heard some of these things that DY's probably heard. But I, um, I thought it was really interesting that he, he expressed some such frustration that K-State brought Adrian in to play quarterback. It makes sense. You'd be frustrated as a competitor, um, but that, you know, obviously they're friends. It's not like it was a, a divisive conversation there with him, but uh, it was just, it was interesting how that relationship forged, but how they were, he was frustrated with the fact that K-State did bring in a transfer quarterback. By the way, speaking of early opt-outs and decisions and whatnot, I, can we can we can someone tell Will Anderson to hurry the hell up with a decision and like Bryce Young to to hurry yeah. up with, with a decision to just go? And, why, 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 nice. why don't we have that NFL announcement yet that they're going pro? Like I, I Will Levis is in is going pro. I mean, come on, Bryce Young, what the hell are you waiting on? So, do you, you got no you, you got nothing for us on that? You think uh, yeah, they just roll out there and play Bama at full strength? I, I still don't think they will, but I got nothing. I mean, tech, technically, C.J. Stroud, I mean, obviously he's going to play because he's in a semifinal against Georgia. I understand that, but maybe he'll, I guess he'll declare after. I was going to say C.J. Stroud hasn't declared yet either. Josh Downs declared like two days ago, I think, so I think they're still coming. Okay. But you, 
But when's pre when do you think they would start practice? Because that's when you probably start to get concerned <laughs> if they're actually practicing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give me give me it was a Milrow. Was that that kid's name? The backup quarterback at Alabama. Let me let me yeah. let's take uh, a shot at him. Let's, yeah, uh, let's... I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances. Although, I, you know, if they have Milrow at quarterback, I wonder if they just go <laughs> Alabama goes Kansas State offensive. Yeah, exactly. Hours. I was going to say like the Colin Klein 2010 Texas game where they just run him yeah. 39 times or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. He ends up with 350 yards. Hopefully not. I mean, it could be. He's an well, insane athlete for sure. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's your type of quarterback, John uh, Milrow. But also, it would be all helpful if Jameer Gibbs also just announced that he was going pro. They're running back yeah. who uh, transferred in this yeah. year and uh, hops out. Uh, maybe it's a defeatist attitude, but I, I just uh, I know, I love like, to win I, the Sugar Bowl, and I don't really care who Alabama. Yeah. That that brings me to this, and I know it was kind of a. Um, a talking point for many, um, whether it be on Twitter or, or my message board at K-State Online, the fact that like Gene said that out loud, which I, I kind of, because it's a little bit of a loser statement, I get he's like, well, I hope all these Alabama players opt out or whatever. And then the Alabama AD said no comment. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. But like we're all thinking it. I get that. But I wish Gene wouldn't have said that part out loud as a representative of Kansas State. That's the well, point. and there is a part of me. I'm I'm honestly a little bit conflicted about it. Um, it's just the you know, shielding yourself from like, all right, what if what if they decide they want this one last hurrah and they're so mad about the playoff, whatever, and go out and uh, it's it's a little scary, but at the same time, it would be very nice to beat them actually at maybe not peak full. I don't, I don't think there's any way you get them at peak full strength, but uh, you know, with one or two of those guys, like the big players still around or something, it would be kind of nice. Either way, you're going to get the sec line about it. Uh, they didn't care and all that, you know, it, no matter what happens. Well, well we'd get the, uh, the KU line too. Okay. You fans would be saying it doesn't count as a, a new year six bowl win either, because uh, you know, apparently K state's not big 12 champs, according to so many KU fans. Cause TCU well, had a better record in the regular season. Well, yeah, but the, the problem the problem with the Kansas argument is that forever it's been, oh, BCS Bowl. And you still hear it. I saw it on Twitter recently. Yeah. Like, oh, you guys don't have any BCS Bowl wins. Like, bro, the BCS hasn't been around since 2013. That was a decade ago. Like, wait, you guys have not been paying attention to football if you're going to hold up, like, your flag from – it just <laughs> accentuates how ridiculous the claim was in the first place, that they plant their flag on the one era where they did happen to get in there as opposed yeah. to Alliance Bowls with K-State as one, BCS Bowls that they played in, and then now New Year's Six. It's like, well, you know, anyway, I digress. Yeah, it's a good time for a second break. <laughs> uh, well, I actually – I would like to talk Dylan Edwards before okay. we uh, before we get into a little bit of basketball here because that is something that, uh, you know, we could have done an entire pod on and – and we see DY how those those posts take off on your boards and the the amount of traffic that it generates. If we talk about Dylan Edwards, oh yeah, he decommitted and then three days later, uh, decommitted from Notre Dame that is, and then three days later had committed to uh, Coach Prime in Colorado after saying that it was going to be a signing day decision. So it's all been pretty par for the course, I would say. And and look, to be honest, at the end of the day, that seems like. Where I mean, based on what has seemingly been a priority for him throughout a lot of this, that seems to make sense. It seems like a match made in heaven, does it not? I mean, Coach Prime and Dylan Edwards going to Colorado. And I just, I never, I guess I was cautiously optimistic K-State would get back into it after he opened up from Notre Dame. But I was a little bit conflicted at this point. It's like things are going so well. 
Um, we kind of already knew where Keegan Johnson was going. We, they're just, they're trending in the right direction and recruiting in so many ways. They've got a great class. It looks like the transfer portal is going to go well. They're getting a lot of guys returning from this. They just won a big 12 championship. They've got a pristine culture going on right now. Um, for all those reasons, I'm just, I'm, I'm really not that bothered by like, whatever, just go do your thing. We'll see what happens. It'll be very fascinating to watch. Um, but I think K-State's going to be just fine. Probably an element of Dylan Edwards' fatigue. I think I had some yes. Dylan, Edwards, Dylan Edwards' fatigue in, in the spring um, because just the you know the way his recruitment unfolded. There were there's just feels like I don't want to call it a soap opera, although maybe there's some accuracy to that. But I've n- never seen. Well, I wouldn't say never because there's always a few of a year, I guess. But man, it just there's constant reporting about his recruitment because there's always news about his recruitment. Um, so no one's in terms of just a quantity of recruiting related events and stories that need to be covered. Um, he's hit a maximum number that is for sure. So there is some fatigue that is incorporated with it. Um, you never want to really say no to a guy that's as talented as he is. I've said it before. I think he's the best home run hitter in the country when it comes to 2023 prospects. And because of that, I think it's always going to be hard to say no. Um, even between now and that, today's December 12th. He's been committed to Colorado for two days, I believe. If if he were to change his mind and want to flip again and, and pick the K-State, which – I don't know that it would still be all that shocking if that were to occur. I don't know that Kansas State could say no um, because he is that good. That's just the, that's the Dylan Edwards dilemma a little bit um, when it comes down to it. At the end of the day, though, we're talking about you know him decommitting from Notre Dame. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but when he, he made the flip to Notre Dame, I think I was on this podcast and I said, I don't think he signs with Notre Dame. So I can't believe can't say I'm too shocked. And I'm surprised that Notre Dame's a little bit stunned. I, I I think if they knew any better, they knew not to be stunned. I'm not stunned that he said, you can find out my decision on signing day. And then, you know, two days later, pick Colorado and be in Boulder on a visit and hanging out with Deion Sanders. I just think that those things were all pretty predictable at the end of the day when it comes to Dylan Edwards. It, I mean, your past is your your product. And I think we know what he is at this point. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add to that other than, you know, culture is really important, obviously, to Kansas State and Chris Kleiman. And we saw when things went south in 2020 with the culture and the program, Chris Kleiman had to fix it and they had to get some guys out of the locker room and, you know, just play such an important aspect that uh, I'm fine if Dylan Edwards doesn't come. I'm not saying like it'd be a cultural issue, but, you know, I, I don't know, just the way this recruitment's been handled. I, I think there's some outside factors that aren't even Dylan Edwards that uh, may be more problematic. And uh, you, you just get in a situation with the days of the portal and NIL, like if Dylan Edwards didn't play enough, you know, there's some family members that may get involved and in complaining parents way too involved nowadays. Um, and if he played a lot and, and had great numbers, you know, very good chance entering the portal going out to bid uh, every year. So there's there's a dynamic there at play, and I'm fine. That Dylan Edwards, best of luck to him at Colorado. Uh, we'll see if that sticks. I mean, who knows? Kids get caught up in the emotion of offers and visits, and maybe as a few days dwindle away, he wants to talk to the K-State coaches again. I trust the K-State coaches. They know how big the locker room environment is. 
I trust them to make the right decision. So whatever they think is best, uh, I'm okay with with what they do there. If that means Dylan Edwards, they go hard after him over the next week and they get him, then I'm fine with it. If they don't think it's the right fit or if they don't even have that option, that, that's fine too. I agree with you. I think ultimately trust in the coaching staff to know which way to go is is fine. And I would just, if it were me, if he wants to, if he comes back and like reconsiders and says like, Hey, then like, I'm certainly not going to turn him away because again, yeah, you're, I'm just not in the business of turning away a guy that talented. But at this point, I don't think I'm with everything else out there on the table and other transfers you need to go. I don't know that I would be devoting a ton of time and resources to it. I don't think that they will, at least I think it would, if it or something to happen, I think it would be like, Oh, it fell in our lap kind of thing. Yeah. And at this point, nine days left, even I don't think Dylan Edwards is capable of that. Of just coming coming back is what you're saying. Yeah, I don't I don't see him making a commitment that lasts eleven days. I, that would even shock me. Okay, there you have it. Uh, that's going to drive the uh, the listens up, the views, and the listens up on on this pod. Just make sure. Okay. I, I do want to point out that was the joke I made. It's totally true. I mean, Dylan Edwards drives more traffic than a coaching search. Yeah, no, I mean, for I, what you saw it on that thread on the board, just like right away, I was like, man. People, apparently, was, the, apparently the fatigue is not out there for everybody. No, that thing was five pages, like 10,000 views in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. One final break. We'll come back, talk a little hoops and wrap things up next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. All right, back here on Three Ma, John Cole, Derek, all with you. Hoops just clobbered incarnate word. Uh, not, was it 98 to 50? That was the final yeah. score. 98 to 50. I mean, I, I was a little disappointed that they didn't hit 100. But, hey, 98 points, I'll take it. And uh, I don't – you know, it's felt like this team's been in a bit of a rut uh, for a couple of weeks, like kind of post-LSU um, that maybe they had hit a bit of a wall. Uh, David Gasson, the way that he's been playing, maybe gives you some some hope that they're coming out of that. And they they probably need to with this Nebraska game coming up in in Kansas City because the Huskers have beaten Creighton and got screwed, maybe should have beaten Purdue uh, as a top five team. So Nebraska's playing some good hoops, which seems like a very weird thing to say right now. But, um, you know, happy to see him go take care of business against Incarnate Word. Hard to know how much to take from that right now, but I think what I'm looking for at this point, we kind of know what Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are going to be. It's it's all the other pieces. How how consistent is Naquan Tomlin going to be? Is David Gasson really going to continue to to play like this, or is this just a little you know blip on the radar screen? Those are the kind of things that I think really matter for this team right now. 
Yeah, for one, I think uh, Nebraska is going to be a good test. And the Huskers are really uh, – it wasn't just the Purdue and Creighton game, although those are the two that stayed out, obviously. They've played a you know a tougher schedule than Kansas State up to this point. They've played a lot of high-major teams. I think they also beat Florida State and Boston College um, both comfortably. I know before that they lost three games, I want to say, and one of them was to Memphis. So it was kind of a topsy-turvy year. And all of a sudden when they got Derek Walker, who's their best player, a guy that really – takes off for them they kind of flipped the script and they took Purdue and Purdue is probably you know by far the number one team in the country this year at least by performance and who they have beaten I know they they whipped Gonzaga I think they have a win over Duke I want to say too um maybe I got that wrong they they have someone over else but and then you know Nebraska takes them in overtime they they handle Creighton and Omaha um the Huskers are gonna be a challenge but in terms of you're right uh, it's probably um how comfortable are you with the rest of the pieces outside of Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson at this point? Those two are good enough where they can carry you, for though. So um, I still have confidence in, comfort, in a comfort level that Kansas State is competitive enough to, to play in the NCAA tournament just because of those two. When you have two, when you have guys that good, two guys that good, you usually can make it, you know, play some really relevant and um, – important postseason basketball. So I still expect that from Kansas State, but it is going to come down to the rest of the supporting cast. Um, it doesn't have to be all of them every night, but it has to be a few of them every night. Desi Sills, I mean, Coach Tang says he feels like he's on the brink of maybe the spurt that they've received in recent weeks from David Gasson. That would be a huge lift. Uh, and, I, and I don't think it's impossible. He's right. He has, we have to remember that Desi Sills – What's he been in Kansas State for three months? I mean, he's he has yeah. not been here for a long time. And to be quite honest, this defense comes and goes a little bit more than I would rather, I think. Um, but he is so good as a ball handler. It's nice to have a secondary ball handler as well as he is next to Marquise Noel. And he, I mean, yesterday was a or you know, Sunday was a good illustration of that, but it's been th- this way throughout the season. Dusty Sills might be the best finisher of the basket on the team. He could really finish. Um, through contact, and he's really going good going downhill. He needs his shot to fall. Maybe that's one of the last steps for him. Um, it's his shot doesn't look bad. He's not missing by a lot. A lot of it's kind of a lot of in and out kind of stuff. Um, when he gets that to fall, he becomes a real offensive weapon. Um, not that he isn't already for Kansas State. So I and I think the David Gasson thing is real. I think and when you have a f- guy that's playing the five that's that athletic, that fast, he could really rim run now. The fives in the Big 12 are going to be challenging. And the guys that are more physical are probably going to give him more of a battle than someone that isn't. But it's going to be tough if he runs the floor up and down the way he has, which is better than anyone on the Kansas State roster, that it's going to be tough even for the the Big 12 fives to run the floor with him and to catch him in transition. And it's going to be tough if he's sitting out out there at the three-point line with the ball in his hands uh, against – and he's not a prototypical five because of the way he moves and how athletic he is. For them to guard him face up right there, right, one-on-one. That's why they ISO him now every now and then because he can take a guy off the dribble because he can dribble like he, he's a two or a three guard. And and if you don't – and if you want to sag off of him because of that, he's now popped a couple threes the last couple weeks to make you pay if you want to sag off of him and take away his dribble drive. So he all of a sudden he becomes a really tough guy to guard because the other teams are putting a five on to defend him. So he he's a, he's really – a mismatch on on that side of the court. So you got to love that. When it comes to Naquan Naquan Tomlin, I know Cole thinks this as well, probably the highest ceiling on the team, even higher than Keontae Johnson. But um, 
for those that are still thinking, oh, he just has to get better, it'll, it'll come, or, or or getting frustrated that it hasn't come just yet, look, I, I don't want to take anything away from Naquan Tomlin. I think he's a really good player. I think he's going to flash throughout the season and have really good moments throughout the season. But I also don't think you're going to see a consistent level of basketball from him until next year. Yeah, I was actually I was pulling up Naquan's game logs. I, I think it's going to be a bit up and down for him. And, you know, Jerome Tang mentioned when, when he met with us at Media Day, right? Like, he's a junior college player. He thought it would be Big 12 play when he starts to be more consistent, which totally makes sense, especially when you consider his background of uh, how little basketball he played, organized basketball uh, growing up. So this is a guy that's really been playing organized basketball now for four years, entering his fourth year here. Uh, and he has definitely shown flashes. I think probably the hype got a little out of control with some of the dunks and everything early on, which is easy to happen. And I think Naquan could play in the NBA, but it is going to take some time. Um, certainly, I, I think he's a guy that'll be back next year um, and will really, really start to flourish toward the end of this year and then into next season. Uh, I was actually looking. So Naquan is playing. He's got double figures each of the last three games, 14, 12, 15 and rebounding, uh, he's averaging about seven and a half rebounds over the last three games. Now, is that a bit of a product of the schedule too? Uh, probably so, but I, I think, you know, he's he's coming on a little bit. Uh, Desi Sills, to your point, D.Y., he just needs to get to be like a 32, 33% three-point shooter, which is right around where he was his first three years of college basketball. If he can do that, that'll make his dribble drive effective. Look, 32, 33% is not an insane shooting line from the perimeter, but it's just enough to be respectable uh, from out there. Gasson really coming on. Uh, I think KSU fan mentioned he's 21 to 22 from the floor over his last four games. So he's missed one shot. Uh, that's, that's pretty incredible when you think about it. And to your point about, yeah, first of all, Marquise Noel, he's number two in the country in assists per game right now, just having a, a hell of a season and on pace to break the single season assist record by far for K-State sure. basketball. It'll get tougher. Yeah, he's gonna shatter. What, what is it? One eighty-six, right? Do what? One eighty-six was the record. I don't know what he has through ten games, but he had seventy-four through nine. Yeah, he had he had eight yesterday, so he's up to eighty-two. Uh, he only needs one hundred and four so, to tie it. Yeah. Now the competition will get better. It'll get a little harder to, to finish against some of the teams they're playing. But as long as everybody stays healthy, I think he'll get there. You know, as you look at the uh, the Internet Word game, a fan pointed this out this morning. K-State jumped 18 spots in the NCAA net rankings, which probably shows. What? Yeah, so, you know, it factors in. The efficiency numbers are factored in, like Ken Palm, blowout-type wins. So K-State went from 57 in the net, which was actually pretty good for K-State when you consider the schedule they played to be 57th in the net because California, I think, is the worst team in college basketball, uh, and that's on K-State's schedule. But, no uh, Louisville is. No Louisville is. Okay. Yeah. That, we'd love to see those two play. They, they should play. Battle, each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, John Case, they went from 57th in the net to 39th in the net with yesterday's 48 points. Take that, victory. Incarnate Word. Just beating some Incarnate that, that, that Word. Also ass, the, that, and I'll let Cole, I'll let you go back to your thought. But that also is like the old school, new school coaching dilemma there. Like you have an old school coach like Bruce Weber, you get up by 20, then you put in your walk-ons for with like eight minutes left and you win by 14 and you're happy with that. But your net drops and that really hurts your actually into the tournament resume. And I think the old school coaches are like, uh, you know, that just didn't cross with them. New school coaching, they don't give a crap. They're going to yeah. put it on you. K-State is now ahead of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, 
in the net. Now, Texas Tech's 82nd in the net, and TCU's 84th. Now, the net, is it's got flaws, especially this early still in the year. I mean, the numbers – Oklahoma State beat Sam Houston State. Sam Houston State was ranked seventh in the net last week. Oklahoma State beat him at home by 14. Oklahoma State jumped from 73 to 48 in the net. All right, so you can make big jumps right now. Make big uh, jumps too, right? Out. You can, yes. Now, Nebraska is 75th in the net, um, so that'll be a quad two type win for K-State potentially if they're able to get it. And to D.Y.'s point, this is a Nebraska team that don't be fooled by their six and five record. You know, they, they very easily could have beaten Purdue. Now, Creighton is starting to f- fall apart a little bit, but they were at full strength against Nebraska, and that was in Creighton, uh, which say, is an impressive win. I will say with Creighton, you have to watch because all those teams, it's kind of like that Maui hangover. All those teams that played in Maui are struggling right now. Yeah, except Arizona had a, a real no, struggle no, game coming out of there. It's the Cole. What was? Help me out here. What was? It was the something blues, like the Hilo Blues or something that that Bruce it, talked about back in uh, after the they did Maui and then Long Beach. And it was, he was yeah, it was it like in the middle of conference play because <laughs> if it was yeah, strong. yeah, he was talking about the the jet lag from uh, the trip to Maui and how much that took out of him. It was like two or three weeks later when he brought it up that oh, we're still recovering. No, 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 no. Cole, I'm telling you. Dead, dead middle of February, we were still hearing about the the Hilo Blues from. I mean, because that season was just such a disaster. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, it, it's a Nebraska team that uh, in Kansas City, it'll be the best crowd K State's played in front of. Uh, just looking at the the tickets online, the secondary market, like it's an expensive ticket right now. I should have bought earlier because I, I don't have tickets currently. Uh, but you know, Sam Greasel is a nice player for them. He's a big, tall point guard, and then. CJ Wilcher and Derek Walker. Derek Walker missed the first few games. Their record would be better if they had him. To DY's point, he's probably their best player. He's a double double type guy. Uh, and I have to tell you guys, I didn't I didn't text you about it yesterday, but so so Brody's mind was blown about getting to hundred points. Like he thought only NBA teams could do that. And so when we got close, he wanted it so bad that I, I had to console him. He was literally crying when K State didn't get hundred. Uh, tears running down his face. We had to have a talk. We had to have a talk about sportsmanship. He didn't understand why K-State held the ball on the last possession and didn't try to score. He was so upset. Uh, I'm, just, he, I'm, just, I'm just imagining Cole having a sportsmanship conversation with a five or six-year-old. Right now. And I'm not the best guy to be given sportsmanship guidance. Yeah, saying, after John, all the after John Kurtz releases a video of me screaming the F word on Twitter at the, uh, at the TCU Big 12 Championship. So. <laughs> After all the things that kid heard over uh, the weekend in Arlington, to be talking about sportsmanship, that's uh, that's, that's pretty rich. Hey, um, Cole, I've got one question to ask you before we leave here. That is, um, I got you a free place to stay in New Orleans. I mean, are you are you coming with me to New Orleans, or are you not you not coming with me to New Orleans? I, listen, everybody, I have procured a free place for Cole to stay and uh, and still does not seemingly want to jump on watching K-State play Alabama in the first uh, ever K-State Sugar Bowl and first ever K-State Alabama game. And it's in the French Quarter, a couple blocks from Bourbon Street. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be nearby. <laughs> I uh, I love how John always brings it. We always bring this stuff up on the air for people to listen to. We do it, yeah, because on the air is when you can apply more peer pressure. Puts the pressure on. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, I don't want to drive 12 hours by myself. I just love that uh, John's going to have people tweeting him now, asking to stay with him as he's bragging about having a free uh, a free place here. 
So it's about John gets a lot of favors for him. I think we've got to return the favor to some folks, uh, some of our three mall listeners. So uh, now it, uh, I, I, I haven't decided yet. I also have seats given to me for the West Virginia game. Shout out to, uh, to Don, John, uh, our guy, Don hooked me up with uh, chairbacks for the West Virginia game. I was going to take the family that day. Yeah. That well, night. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a great point, Cole. I mean, when will you, when have we ever had the opportunity to watch K-State play West Virginia right. in basketball or K-State play Bob Huggins? I'm just intriguing storyline that I've never seen before. So, you know, it seems like a good way to pass up on uh, K-State and Alabama. Yeah. It's just Alabama. I mean, Will Anderson may not even play. I it's a good. It's a good call. It's a good call. I think you're making the right choice. Have you experienced the Little Apple ball drop on New Year's? I mean, it can't compete with Bourbon Street. Uh, I mean, that would just be well, once in a lifetime. <laughs> Sorry, Manhattan. West Virginia, West Virginia leads the Big 12. Second, they're eighth in the country in net right now. That's a pretty big game. Pretty big game. <laughs> it actually is a pretty big game, all, all things considered. Um, we'll be watching it, I'm sure, after the Sugar Bowl. If uh, Yeah, no, we will. Yeah, one thing we haven't done that I kind of want to do in case Tucker listens, uh, can, can we can we uh, throw some shaded Eli Drinkwitz once again? Like, I don't know why this guy does something that is like shade related every single week, but he finds a way to do it. He's holding up the violations thing sign, uh, you know, obviously geared towards Kansas because of their violations in basketball. Level five, level one violations, holding up the sign in the student section. Um, when they're when Mizzou's playing KU, obviously Mizzou, you know, their biggest home game in a while, and they still got their butts thumped, and the crowd was taken out of it two two minutes into the game. But like you're doing that also a week after you're dodging KU, right? Well, can can I tell you, I have a I have a real frustration about that because I knew I saw that line and I was like, I cannot believe that, and I don't really. I don't bet. I mean, the only bet I made you guys heard, I took the free sign-up bonus, put it on K-State over six and a half, and then put all that on the money line for the Big 12 championship game. Well, so I had this bright idea. I was like, oh, I could go use one of the other apps and just take their sign-up bonus and throw that all on Kansas to cover. But when I did it, I filled out with my actual address, which was in Missouri. And so it was like telling me I couldn't do it. And then I was trying to like, and I was doing all this at like 4.05. And basically I just ran out of time. So I didn't get it in, and I was not a man enough to just put, put my own actual money on it in uh, FanDuel. So anyway, I was really mad at that. Here's the thing with Drinkwitz. It, 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 this got me because back-to-back, I had to use that meme of, like, heartbreaking. The worst person you know makes a great point because, you know, it's Drinkwitz holding that sign, and I'm like, all right, well, heartbreaking. The worst person I know just made a great point, five level one violations. But then he throws that sign up there, and Kansas Athletics takes it and photoshops the sign to say – uh, and let's just wait until 2025 to play or whatever. And I was like, ah, heartbreaking. The worst person I know just made a good point. So uh, I didn't really know where to land on that. I would just say this. He is the wrong messenger, and it's like the wrong time and place for that. Like, do I think that a coach could do that? And I would laugh and be like, all right, that's funny. And like, yes, if the coach were not smoking cigars for being six and six and not just as mid as mid gets – at My, this moment, and not just coming right on the heels of your program looking like a bunch of giant scaredy cats for dodging this game. So it was like timing, place, messenger, all that was off, even if I think there's a circumstance where that could work well. Yeah, no, there is. But my thing, it's the repetitive nature of Drinkwitz putting his foot in his mouth. Um, dude, does it like week in and week out. I've never seen a coach do it more in my life. And like you said, 
right after they tried to duck KU. And then because he's more worried about PR than actual wins, he, he goes on there and is afraid or, you know, of the backlash that is coming for, you know, via ducking KU and says, oh, we'll play anyone, anywhere, anytime and throws a picture of the Liberty Bowl. I mean, the guy is just a meme at this point. He is. Cole's got nothing for he like frequents. Okay. No, I, I think Cole is the one that did the buzzing sound there. Oh first. no, Cole's mic is gone. Cole can't say anything about Eli Drinkwitz here at the end. I think that's a sign that we need to get the hell out of here. But uh it also means that Cole 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 thinks Eli I think Cole, I could read your lips. What Cole said was that Drink is a great coach. He's on the rise, and oh. he was just rallying the students I behind him, and it was a great move. I can and, hear him. Uh, and Drinkwitz is gonna be great. I think that's what Cole said. Did my mic really go away? It did. No, it went out for a brief period, but I hear you now. You got it. Nice, nice try, guys. You're just going to try and talk. That's your go-to, like Cole's mic's out, so you make me think I can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> then you'll say something inappropriate. I'm going to store that for uh, later on. Yeah, we can just yeah, use that. Yeah, no, I, I I bullied Eli enough. We bullied Eli enough. I don't need to, to take a shot at him. So, um, yeah. Okay. No. Well, MIZ, baby. Really impressive performance uh, on Saturday. Uh, shocking that the results against Lindenwood uh, did not hold up when they when they played the Kansas Jayhawks. It's going to do it for us. Um, you know, Eli Drinkwitz could probably use some 360 vodka or some Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. So hopefully someone has that. Hopefully you have that. We appreciate the support of Holiday Distillery. Thanks to uh, Jed Marshall behind the scenes. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon on 3 Mom. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.